0: everyone and welcome to The Sweet Spot on a Farm, episode 39, part 2. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast and have no idea what to expect, then The Sweet Spot is all about natural health. I interview local natural health and fitness professionals, Organic farmers, healthy food producers and simply anyone whose profession and life's mission it is to help us stay healthy in as natural way as possible. We share facts, helpful information, our experiences and plant-based recipes. This is the second part of my interview with Newcastle County Down based TRE provider and craniosacral therapist Garth Toner. If you didn't hear the first half of our chat, I recommend you go back and check it out. We covered TRE and craniosacral therapy, and in this part, we talk about Dr. Stephen Porges' polyvagal theory. And you'll also find out how Garth fell out of a moving bus, among other things. <laughs> So let's 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 talk about uh, the nervous system and mm-hmm. and you mentioned the recent study and that's that sounds really interesting. So let's talk
1: about that. Okay, the polyvehicle. It's, it's, it's not a study. It's a theory. It's a theory now, and it's a research based. It's science based. It's all over the place at the minute, but it's not in people's awareness. And once people become aware, so recently, Dr. Steve Porges he came over to. A friend, colleagues' place in Emfield, just outside uh, Guildford. Uh, he was doing a seminar, two day seminar down Cork, but she knew him personally and brought him up. And we had people in from uh, CAMS, Women's uh, Institute of Trauma, and all, all these different organisations with people of how they're working and how it's educating them to be aware. For example, if we we're going to interview people who had a, a sexual abuse history, a traumatic event, they're, Brain, their memory gets fragmented. their body's in a freeze state. They don't know all these questions, so their body's not feeling safe to fully give a coherent experience. And then it's considered it's not true. You don't remember. So if we become more knowledgeable, for example, of this theory and how the nervous system is, we could observe in that person's in traumatic state. It's in a freeze response, so no coherent information for them to survive. They had to fragment that information and to switch off, just like a dead animal on the savannas. So if we are more educated around that, we understand people and how we can interact with them and create safety for them to be able to remember, remember parts of them that have been fragmented, to learn to integrate their experiences rather than carry them throughout the rest of our lives. So this theory, the polyvagal theory, Dr. T. Porges is, yeah, it's been about the last 20 years and he's used it with autistic kids, he's got a listening project. So it's a model that's been integrated into the trauma field, as I was just mentioning, into the educational field, into all different fields that need to be educated and understand what is happening to a person whenever they had adverse experiences. And so for example, I was a teacher, an educator, um, ADHD, ADD, uh, autistic people on the spectrum. I offer them all on the spectrum some capacity. But their nervous system is in a freeze response. ADHD, it could be in a fight-to-flight response, very fast. What was If some of these behaviours are restless, they can't sit still what we do in class school is keep them sit still, you sit still for 40 minutes and then bell goes, nervous system jangles, next class, sit still. But they can't, their impulsive nature, their nervous system is dysregulated. And, for example, we say, go up to the front of class, sit there, and they're constantly scanning, looking around the shoulder, because they don't feel safe. If you put them in the back of the room, they can scan their whole environment, their nervous system can ah, come down to a more regular state, and they can feel safer and the behaviours are not going to be as part. So that's an example of how the polyvagal theory can be integrated into education, how we integrate it into judicial systems, uh, the process of interviewing, just in any human interactions. If you don't feel safe with another person, even your primary caregivers, your nervous system is going to be operating in survival mode for most of your life. What consequences does that have for your health?
0: Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) what Mm -hmm. you mentioned there about you know keep kids sitting still for forty minutes in a class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's an example of how we suppress natural responses of Mm -hmm. a person at a very early age and teach them that it's not okay to express themselves or to to a certain level to be creative because some yeah. kids don't just, you know, twitch or are sort of full of energy because they want to be annoying or because mm-hmm. they just can't keep still. It's because there's something maybe within them that maybe they they need to express yeah. themselves through body movement yeah. or maybe they need to release some sort of stress or trauma through mm-hmm body work yeah. and we forbid them mm-hmm. from doing it yeah. because we want them to sit still Yeah, half a day at school and basically be quiet sit still and listen instead mm-hmm. of do what you need to do yeah. so you can focus later
1: yeah so also if your brain which is common is in a fight or flight mode continuously throughout the day, learning doesn't take place in that mode. It's surviving. Learning only takes place in a sort of restorative, relaxed state where you can receive information, whether through the felt sense or through cognitive. You're not going to retain that information if your body's constant to survival, scanning the environment continuously. So if education was more informed on how the nervous system and what these kids are bringing into the environment school from their family backgrounds... Transgeneration, intergenerational stuff, then, ah, we need to create a conducive environment, not ringing bells, not segregated classrooms, sit still, more open, conducive environments for learning, for nervous systems to come to a more relaxed state so they can receive and take in information. Like For schools are a great way to learn because the kids are out expressing themselves, connecting with whatever they want to in a natural environment where natural rhythms. Are present, whereas we're sitting in a fixed concrete building, which is not natural.
0: And often you don't, you're not even allowed to bring the kids outside because of health and safety. Oh, yeah, red mm. Yeah, but I, I remember actually when we were children, uh, we had our school had a quite a big uh, sort of plot of land that mm. surrounded the school, and um, when it came closer to the summertime or early in the school mm-hmm. year, sort of September, October, whenever the sun was shining and it was actually warm, with some of the classes that didn't require um, any equipment from the mm-hmm. classroom, we were allowed to take the class. That the teacher would have to obtain permission before the class took place from the headmaster. But very often they did get the permission yeah. and then we would take blankets or whatever and sit outside on yeah. the grass and they were teaching us outside and these were the classes where we were at our best yeah. focusing the mm-hmm. best we were out on the fresh air mm. it was a great crack we had sunshine in and yeah. it had just the great atmosphere and yeah. I dare say that we learn a hell of a lot more in mm-hmm. those types of classes than sitting inside and sitting on our, but- on our butts not mm-hmm. being able to move
1: yeah. So it's Steve Porter's polybeagle Theory Helps you understand why you're more conducive to learning. Because um, your senses are not switched or primed for survival, it's their ha. Ah, they're hearing the birds, the wind in the trees, you're feeling the ground beneath you. You're more here now, engaging in the process of learning. And that's uh, fundamental to any relationship. So, like, there's a still face experiment. You ever heard of that? No. Still face experiment. Um, Stanley Tronic. he studied it in the 80s. There's videos on YouTube, you know, still face experiment. So what they showed was a mother and a baby. And the mother was interacting, engaging with the baby, goo and, the guy, and the baby was responding, the toddler was responding, eye contact, the intonation. And then the mother turned her head away with a blank face, and just stared at the toddler uh, so how uncomfortable do you feel right there
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah it seems very unnatural <laughs> yeah so
1: there's a feeling or not to get into it but there's a feeling emerged that's still face mother stern for three minutes i think it was and the baby started reaching out trying to interact with mother to get her attention and social engagement mother's kept flat face Baby's feelings was ever coming up from digested. digestive. It got all uncomfortable with the feeling, started moving, arching its back, getting, moving away, started crying, getting distressed. So, it wasn't feeling safe, because there was no socially engagement. And, and mother obviously came out of that and started interacting. And the baby was a bit hesitant at the start, but then when they came back into attunement relationship, nervous system goes, ah, I'm safe now, mother's here. So, You imagine in everyday life how often that's happening. How often is people really engaging with each other, being present, attuned. We're on our smartphones. There's no family dinners at the table. We're just disconnected from the relationship between ourselves and another. And what's happening in our nervous system in them states is that it's become dysregulated. And fundamental, what we want to do as human beings is be connected. That's we social beings, like, and there's studies again. If you look at Ramonian the orphans, they obviously didn't have the connection, they weren't touched or held and developed sort of developmental issues based on that. Whereas, if we get attunement, connection in everyday life, whether it's from a primary caregiver, which unfortunately it's not a lot of the time, or from some significant other, that can be quite healing and. Um, So powerful for our health. And again, I just want to back. Simply, that's what any therapist or counsellor or shopkeeper or hairdresser is doing. They're connecting to another human being. And that's not common. Sometimes we're not seen and heard. And that is what people pay people for, which is sad, isn't it? Whereas we should be getting that from our everyday life.
0: Yeah, I certainly feel that kids today grow up surrounded by technology and social Mm -hmm. media and ultimately you feel like they're just growing up to please everybody to have a certain look on social media to be liked to be popular to, to, to be successful in getting a lot of engagement on social media instead of engaging properly with friends on human level and yeah. connecting to nature and out. develop relationship with themselves and mm-hmm. ultimately get to be children, play outside mm-hmm. and explore the nature, the, the, the earth, the trees, mm-hmm. the, the animals, instead of sitting. I mean, you see kids young as seven years old being on smartphones. Yeah. It, it's not right. I mean, when I was seven, mm-hmm. I was running around the woods looking for mushrooms. No, yeah. Not not magic
1: mushrooms. <laughs> I just like to point out normal <laughs> mushrooms, edible. Yeah. No, it's, not, it's natural. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I've explored it myself. So
0: I didn't take drugs when I was seven years old. Seven years old, just to make that clear. But we like we learned about. You know, foraging and and mm-hmm. walking barefoot in on, on the grass in my grand's garden. Yeah, kids that age today learn how to engage on Facebook and and how to get likes on Instagram. and yeah. it's really sad.
1: It is sad, <laughs> and it's but fundamentally, it goes back. They're looking for connection. So. And it's, they can be a different person. We can be a different person because I, like I've used social media in the past and I know that's a drive within me to be connected with people. Uh, so I, that's their thing. So that's how they do that in our modern culture. It has a lot of benefits, but it has a lot of significance because we, people they can't actually make eye contact to a lot of these adolescents or young people. They can't concentrate and focus for long periods of time. Because they're looking for that instant gratification, that appreciation. That I think
0: that's the important word: instant gratification. Yeah. Because that you don't get that in in the real world. Mm-hmm. Relationship takes relationships take time to, to develop, go, yeah. and and things take time to learn. Mm-hmm. So, I don't get me wrong. Social media, it's not all wrong because it allows you to connect with people who are mm-hmm. far away. Who you don't get that face-to-face connection on a daily basis. And you can... I mean, I live abroad, so obviously it allows me to keep in touch with my family without having to spend a fortune on phone Mm -hmm. calls. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it's definitely... There's a lot of good on Mm -hmm. social media, but I I don't think we are smart enough or developed enough to be able to use social media Mm -hmm. that way and and set ourselves limits to do that. I think we let technology and social media control us yeah. and let us get addicted to it instead of use it as a helpful tool so, to yeah. enhance our relationships with the actual real physical world. And ourselves. And ourselves.
1: Because a lot of it is outside of ourselves. And the more we can stay outside of ourselves or being controlled, manipulated to stay outside ourselves, that we're not coming into our own power, our own sense of self, in an embodied way. And that's how I see it, is that we're a human species, but we're not an embodied human species. Using our senses to navigate the world and to listen to that gut intuition or gut instinct, the felt sense to relate to people or not to relate to people, to be in certain environments or not to be in certain environments. So the more we connect in an embodied way to our felt sense, we start to become more conscious and aware Not that social media can be used as a platform to be us, but not as a way to influence us, to enforce consumerism, to control us, basically. So, this generation, I would want to grow up in it. I'm in it. I'm learning to be in it. I'm but more and more learning to be in it in an embodied way and to use my body as an instrument to discern and what to engage with and what not to engage it with.
0: It almost feels like sort of reversed evolution. Yeah. Because <laughs> we used to be able to use our senses yeah. and navigate through the world. Mm-hmm. And with the whole industrialized. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, it. you that said it. Yeah, yeah. Industrialization, <laughs> yeah, of the world, and it's basically coming mm-hmm. to industrial revolution. You know, yeah. a few decades ago, that's when we sort of got a bit lazy to use yeah. our senses, and we became to kind of geared more towards um, using technology mm-hmm. to Surely. not even just the benefits us, but to really get rid of our primer and yeah, native instincts. senses and instincts because mm-hmm. we don't
1: really need them anymore. Yeah. Um, we don't need them anymore because culture, society, communities evolve so that we're in a more urbanised setting. Mm-hmm. That there's, There is safety within that because there's more and there's a lot of things around us because we're not in them hunter-gatherer days where we needed our senses to survive. It's just evolution, she says. It wasn't a conscious thing. Oh, we don't need them senses anymore. We'll shut them down and we'll function in a faster, greater, consume more life. So that's what the Industrial Revolution did and consumerism did. And it just took us away from these senses, this embodiment, this sense of self, to be disconnected from itself and have it with no power or autonomy over our lives because that's what we're operating on. We think that our autonomies to the doctor or to the teachers or to our employers, the individuation's not there anymore. But the collective community it is there to an extent, but it's not real community um, in the sense of health.
0: Yeah, I think even though we don't, we no longer need maybe to be able to Navigate through the forest. There mm-hmm. are certain aspects of that sort of innate ability mm-hmm. that is really helpful for for us, yeah. um, and even mm-hmm. when it comes to health, yeah. to to keep in tune mm-hmm. with ourselves and mm-hmm. and with nature. But obviously, living in the modern world, we are finding it difficult to to do that and to keep these senses because we are ultimately more connected to our. Mobile oh, phones, oh, and screens, and iPads, TVs. And screens than to ourselves, and that's a real shame. But it almost, it really feels like that we're in one aspect we're getting more intelligent, but yeah. in other sense we're getting dumber and dumber yeah. <laughs> because the technology things for us. Yeah,
1: we're getting more cognitively from our shoulders up, but mm. body intelligence disconnecting from our senses is chronic at the minute, and. I offer until we begin to wake our bodies up and connect to our bodies, the felt sense, our sense of self, then we might spend more time less watching TV and do more time out in nature. We might spend more time doing conscious, somatic, natural movements rather than going to the gym for half an hour pumping weight, disconnected from our body but it looks physically good. That's our indicator of health. But we also might be less intuitive on what foods we eat because we're just eating and consuming for the sake of eating. We're not actually taking an embodied experience oh that food the texture of it the quality of it and feel the health benefits that it's offering us offering our our system. So once we do I offer we are changing we are becoming more just more connected to our our senses again uh, through lots of different movements and then that's when we start Develop agency, autonomy, awareness to make more conscious choices. Like you, you've been on that journey. I've been on that journey to the last ten years or so to start beginning to make more conscious choices and living with awareness. And I offered that's a lot to do with embodiment and really connecting to yourself again. Um, that sound okay. Yeah. What <laughs> is that we, we, we need to start a revolution
0: here. <laughs> no,
1: I think with this podcast, that's us doing it. It's other examples like that, making people more aware if you choose to listen to it or not. Or okay, before I heard from you, I didn't, I hadn't heard of it, so it wasn't in my awareness. But then since I've seen it, I scanned, listened a few bits, seen familiar people I know uh, who already been heard on it, and I was just saying it earlier, and not. I knew about sports nutrition or there, but I'm not big into the gut microbiome and influence, how that feeds our mental health and depression and chronic illness. But I'm open to that now, and hearing some of the podcasts, it's really started me thinking, yeah, let's be more conscious about what I'm eating and how I'm preparing food, or making the time to prepare the food, because I know it makes me feel better. So... So yeah. It's almost like
0: what do you call it, Pandora's box? Once you open it, <laughs> oh.
1: you just can't. It keeps coming and emerging. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: yeah.
1: it can be overwhelming, but it's just it's baby steps.
0: But not to be overall negative, I mm. I have to say that it, it is becoming almost like a big movement to mm. help people see that there is a massive need for us to reconnect with ourselves yeah. and with the nature and that we need to go back to to nature mm-hmm. if we want to survive in, in, in a healthy way. Yeah. The amount of chronic di- diseases that are around us everywhere, yeah. like I don't know one single person who never suffered a major chronic Disease. Yeah, Actually, I do my heart. partner, but he's an exception to the <laughs> rule. Um, and look at the the, the diabetes
1: statistics; mm, like it's, it's a massive threat to the NHS. And then if you look at the mental health thing too, like three and four people have experienced extreme overwhelm, stress. The study by Mental Health Foundation. There. I just read there, it's in this article there, 2018, that three and four people have experienced overwhelm in the last year. What uh, was some statistic about? Um, one in three have been suicidal and one in six have self-harmed that's scary like. that is scary so but then if we it not to not to, to minimize it, it but it comes down to the people not connected to themselves based on whatever experiences they've had they want to end or to terminate something that, and that's pretty sad where we come to So how can we support people to reconnect to health? Health should be the thing that's studied what promotes health, what nurtures and nourishes health within us as an individual, but also within community. And it is through podcasts or nutrition awareness, what I do, that's going to support that change and focusing on the disease or the pathology rather than focus on the health and how we can nurture that within us. But primarily, a lot of the mental health things is again. It's, it goes back to that disconnection from self, but from others. So social isolation. Yeah. So how we have to go to a therapist, a counsellor, which is very beneficial to get that connection. But how can we promote that within community? That's the drive.
0: It's still not. It still feels like it. It's not almost okay with community and society to admit the stigma. I have a problem, or yeah. I'm suffering. Yeah, and and I it's really nice to see in the last couple of years that even the fact that men are now starting to yeah. even publicly admit mm-hmm. that they have issues with mental health and that they're suffering and yeah. anxiety, depression. I think it's great mm-hmm. to, to, to break those walls, tear them down and, and yeah. it's okay. Everybody has these issues, let's just admit it and do something about it uh-huh. rather than keep it inside and yeah. suffer.
1: And that goes back to the nervous system. Why do we historically not share? It's because we don't feel safe to even share with our loved ones that there's something wrong because we fear further rejection or disconnection. So we just isolate ourselves and internalise it. And that's not helpful, as we know.
0: It's incredible what kind of turmoil it can throw your microbiome yeah. into. The, mm-hmm. the, the brain-mind-gut yeah. connection has been mm-hmm. now established for a couple of years. And the tension in the body yeah. that stress and anxiety, depression can cause. And yeah. um, it's incredible. So having the tools yeah. to help people connect and release that... Mm-hmm obviously
1: has a great overall health benefit. Yeah, and that's where I feel where I path is going once I was in teaching and school setting. Uh, it's about, yeah, but first of all, I have to look after myself and resource myself in everyday life because I'm a human too. I have, uh, along the spectrum, low moods, high moods, but I'm more consistent over the last few years. But I'm human. We have a range of emotions, but as if it's, it's not okay to have the, the dark emotions, anger or depression or anxiety. It's, it's not it's okay, but I'm saying like We all use, even you have different days, different moods. And I have the tools now, I feel, to regulate myself, but also I have the tools to educate and develop awareness others. And that's the work I do in my, my mind, your, mind Yourself, Local Charity, and also in my clinic, Um, So it's a big thing for me, based on my experience, is education. So I like to educate people, not because nobody fixes anybody. I just have a level of understanding and awareness now of this, what we just discussed, to resource myself, but to educate other people and to share that. And when we start doing that, then people can learn to go into nature, hear the birds singing, connect to their felt sense... Eat the right healthy foods. Feed this good microbiome to feed the brain good information rather than.
0: You actually live in an incredible place in this country where you Newcastle. have everything that the nature can offer. Mm. So you can you can prescribe your clients to go for a walk yeah. <laughs> into the moors because you're surrounded by mountains. You yeah. live very close to the sea. Yeah, right. uh, you you have it all in here. I yeah. love Newcastle.
1: But the thing is, I, I wasn't aware of that until I was aware of it, but wasn't really paramount until the 30s, like 30, like until I really appreciated the moors, like. I used to run the mornings up and down Sleep down, or just not to actually take the moment to pause and think, well, what's this going on around me? Like, and It was always a faster rhythm within a slower rhythm. It wasn't me embodying the slower rhythms. So that's only the recent thing. And you ask a lot of people in Newcastle, they probably don't appreciate their natural environment that they were in.
0: Have you swam in the Blue Lake yet?
1: Up at Blue, Lo- uh, Blue Lock? No, I've swam up at um, Lakshana up at the uh, up at the there. not the Blue Lake. The Blue Loch yeah, but not the
0: Lakshana. Yeah, yeah. um, that's something you need to do. <laughs> yeah, it's really amazing up
1: there. Different type of water. There's a wee Tipperary stream down there. As friends would go into that down in Tipperary. I did it twice, but the a different quality feeling of water from seawater. It's more velvety and smoother. I'm sure that's probably like a lake waters The blue around. looks
0: actually. I expected it to be cold because it's in the mountains. Yeah. But it's so small. It's actually much warmer than the sea. Yeah. And it's okay. happened in, I thought, oh, it's actually warm.
1: Wow. <laughs> so would you open water swim a lot then? Or? Um, I
0: I started February twenty eighteen. Yes, February 28th, so it'll be two years in February, mm-hmm. Um, I connected with Scott Riley of course, oh, like okay, women, yeah. and, um, to record a podcast mm-hmm. about the Wim Hof Method and his Dash & Splash, mm-hmm. and it was not that long after he founded Dash and & Splash, and um, he invited me along for a breathwork session and mm-hmm. to come uh, yeah, started to the water with them. And I lasted about five seconds the first time I went with it. Yeah. I have to say, but then
1: it's practice.
0: But then something kept nagging into me, mm-hmm. like do it again, do it again, do it again. And now it's you know yeah. over a year and a half, and I can't live without it. And actually, um, when you said that that we have you know different days, we feel differently different mm-hmm. days. I, especially recently, I've been going through some emotional issues, and I feel up and down, mm-hmm. and, and up and down. I have. Good days and bad days, and I always after a bad day I know that it's time to go mm-hmm. for a swim, and after the swim, everything feels brighter. And yeah, it's just it, Nurturing. it definitely calms the nervous system, mm-hmm. makes me feel and it's think connected. More, more clearly, and it certainly puts things into perspective. Yeah, and um, and yeah, so I am um, this is what the podcast does for me. I meet Interesting people from yeah. different fields and connect with people and learn things, and then mm-hmm. I end up doing crazy things like swimming yeah, <laughs> you crea- the in Newcastle <laughs> Harbour. But crazy
1: things, the normal natural <laughs> things that they have been the way for years, but we just think that's weird. Yeah, people, but it's a big culture now developing up there. I know the CrossFit infected lads and women they go there on oh Sundays now. There's just different football teams around the area would go after training sessions. So we used to do ice baths in the in the change rooms like after sessions, not knowing what the health benefit, but we just did it because we were told it. <laughs> but now that the, the science is catching up with all these old traditions methods, it just makes sense, like.
0: See, when I moved to this country mm-hmm. and I saw people, even in the summertime, swimming in just swimsuits in yeah. the sea or in the Atlantic, I was thinking they're nuts. because I always I dipped like one foot into the cold Atlantic or the Mm -hmm. Irish sea and it's freezing even in the summertime and now I'm one of those crazies who goes in even during the winter and it doesn't feel cold anymore I mean it is cold relatively cold but it's the body gets accustomed to it and it's it actually doesn't And it gets to the point when you need to kind of keep an eye on the time because Mm -hmm. if you spend too long time in the, the water
1: and you time that it takes a very long time to warm mm-hmm. up so it, it takes time it takes practice to change any pattern of behaviour and that's see so five minutes your nervousness gets overwhelmed but then ah, you're constantly pendulating mm-hmm. and that's what health is so changing any pattern like eating or cold water or coming into your body meeting an age or part of you that has been met in a while we titrate it we feel it and then we move away again. And then we stay a bit longer the next time. Move away. So you pendle, anything that's uncomfortable needs to be titrated slowly, safely, in relationship sometimes. So yeah, I like that. It takes practice for any new pattern, new pathway to form.
0: I think the main step is to be open to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And creating it. Because I, I did it during the summer. Like I... With two, three months a year, I would do it most days, love it. But then just the last month, I haven't. But I know the feeling that you get after it. So you might have prompted me to explore it again. But the more you long, you leave it. I usually did the Christmas Day swim off the bat because you just did it. But yeah, I I do like the feeling of it. But meeting it and creating the time and space for it.
0: Yeah, I think it's... Everybody has different priorities. Mm, and, yeah. Um, a lot of the people I go for a swim with, that's sort of their...
1: Routine, yeah. Routine. Their and
0: that's that's what they always make time for. Mm-hmm. So even now, some days, whether I swim with in Bangor or with group in Port or wherever I am, I try to get for a swim. If, if we if we spend time in Dublin with my partner's mm. friends, I make time to go and swim in the greats. Yeah. Um, it, it is something I make time for because yeah. I know I need it yeah. and it makes me feel good and it really, it's a great way to start a day, it's a great way to start a week.
1: So it makes you feel good Yeah, and that's probably the essence of what my podcast, of what we were talking about here is the feeling that we get from doing something that is good information to our brain. So a food feels good if water feels good, if meditating or doing a body awareness scan feels good having a shake feels good then do more that makes you feel good. Yeah, eat more that makes you feel good. I call that my resources, things that support your health. The more resources you get or have, the better health. No resources, no get better. So a lot of people in these chronic illness states, they haven't got healthy resources. They might be the number of the TV, or it might be the on-processed foods maybe drinking or medication, they're resources that support them and sustain them, but they're not natural, healthy resources, Whereas it's listening to music, walking, nature. So out here in this water, is a really strong resource for you in life, same as the body works, the practice is really important to me. Um, how does your morning routine look like? I'm curious to hear. Um, it's over
0: the show in the minute. Uh. <laughs> I usually get up at half five, Okay and Pretty much every day and then I take time to do some breath work. okay some breathe. I'm currently working my way through the oxygen advantage by Patrick McKeown. Oh it's tougher about
1: it. the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. are so, breathing. And all, so yeah.
0: I'm, I'm currently working my way through to the 80 paces with okay uh, breath retention in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to take a few weeks. Yeah. So that's my kind of morning routine. Then I do maybe 15 minutes Wim Hof method okay. practice. And that's then breathing th- again, isn't it? That's breathing yeah, again. Moving. And um, it depends. Sometimes I do one or the other. Sometimes I do just one and the other not at all. Yeah. Or later yeah. in the day, depending where I'm at. Um, and I uh, do 30 to 40 minutes physio. Um, physio yeah for my I'm doing physio work for um, I injured my Achilles mm-hmm. last year and I'm still doing daily routines okay. to make sure that, oh you're um, doing
1: your own pre- yeah. rehab Okay. so
0: I have I have set of exercises that I do at home mm-hmm. unless I'm going to train at Wildfoot mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that um, I keep strengthening my yeah. foot yeah it's a lot of discipline Working eh? on that arch. Oh yeah, I'm determined not to get injured ever again because mm. the pain I had was unbearable. I do not want to hurt yeah. my foot ever. You don't realise how much we need our feet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Until you, you can't do anything with them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I see so whenever people come to me for example and say they have chronic pain in their back or they have some migraine or whatever. It's interesting because I'm going to pose this question to yourself. It's like, so what How long have you had it and what was going on? Because it's just not a physical injury. You might have fell over. But but what was going on in your life that caused you to fall over and become unbalanced? So it's just not the physical thing. It's the social, it's the emotional, it's the psychological, what's going on that caused you to feel unbalanced and to fall over? Because falls are a big part of my story, like falling off a bus or...
0: Yeah, I'm curious, actually. I didn't want to jump into your... uh Speech, whenever you were talking about what the
1: hell happened, how do you fall off a bus? bus? Uh, <laughs> when it was 22, football event, paintball and the in Monaghan, uh, boys were on and off the back of the bus, back seat for all day. We were having a couple of drinks, we were getting on the bus. I was sit in the front of a couple of elder fellas, and a couple of fellas says, After the piss stop, I said, Come on up to the back, Toner, and have a crack. So, up, there was no seats. And there's steps down to the fire exit door. And the bus started to it up speed around the corner. I had a drink <laughs> in my hand. And the bus had lost a f- loss of balance. Fell hit down the step, Hit the door. door was open because they were in and out of all day. Rolled out of the- across the road. The bus went on under the ditch. And the bus had to stop. stop. The bus tore us off. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay when I'm staying present. Not notice my heart's getting increased as I talk about it. But, yeah, I didn't break a bone in my body. Just scars and everything. But that was a wake up I didn't listen. Like my life was very all over the place at that time. Like, So I didn't listen but as a full high long here wake up that's where a lot of the pain came from but it was a mess of emotional stuff and all to me. So it's yeah it's a bit crazy isn't it?
0: Yeah don't drink on a bus. Yeah yes. well
1: drink but <laughs> fire fact doors don't exist anymore I don't think. But yeah that was It's interesting I played football two weeks later Later, <laughs> it's a big game but I was concussing everything I shouldn't have. But that's
0: what you do when you when you're mm, a young kid, like yeah, you know, all crazy things like that.
1: Just keep going. It, it didn't stop me until was eight years later.
0: One more thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, tell me a little bit about the Body Intelligence Clinic.
1: Okay, I used to run a Body Intelligence Clinic in Maytree, uh, studio, so Studios, practicing biodynamic psychotherapy. So Body Intelligence trainings is. Where I trained as a clinical therapist and who I teach with in Guildford and County and other cities around Europe at the minute, so that was just a low-cost clinic to help people come to clinical psychotherapy with me to connect to their bodies, basically. So sessions were fifty minutes, thirty pound. I ran it for a couple of years, but now I don't run it anymore because of so much other stuff going on at the minute. But Essentially, it was just biodynamic craniosacral therapy and it allowed it to be more accessible to people. So
0: if somebody would want to experience mm-hmm. either biodynamic craniosacral therapy or TRE, mm-hmm. um, how can they contact <laughs> you? And and how long are sessions. your sessions?
1: Yeah, so I'm not too good at social media. Um, I don't even have a website. I'm working on that. It's been a working project for six years. It's all been a process of being seen and heard. Um, <laughs> and this is part of it. But, yeah, so I practice in Sleep Donard, the hotel, resort, the spa there. So I practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, some Saturdays, um, both Queen of Circle and TRE, one-to-ones. Cranial uh, Circle sessions are 50 minutes approximately. First session is usually 60 minutes. And the way to contact me, you could probably put a number or something on the podcast or just... I was Facebook, Gareth Toner, sort of a page, Facebook page that so i access quite weekly. Um, and then I was providing workshops in TRE in Belfast, but just a lot of workloads come on them and i travel a lot with the teaching the Queen of Sacral and the, my, my charity work i doing in the community. So, but that's something I'll explore in the future. Um, so, Newcastle, uh, practice TRE and Queen of Sacral there, one-to-ones.
0: Okay, and if you have, if you had uh, just a couple of tips okay. for our listeners, lifestyle tips or okay. how to keep how to keep the body in tune, yeah. what would you advise?
1: What could I advise? Firstly, breathe. Notice your breath in your body. I think that's common to us from the first moment we come into the world until the last moment we go out. But we're not connected to it. So even taking four breaths in. Four in, four seconds, four seconds out. Do the ten cycles and that in the morning. What I do is I cause some skill that can just come into my body. The nervous system notice the dysregulation or regulation of it. Um, take a walk in nature, thirty minutes a day. Whether it's a walk on a promenade or getting into the forest or just hearing the birds or the trees and the wind going through them and through the wind against your skin. Just any way to feel your body and how it's responding to your environment. In this moment, grounding, can you feel your feet on the floor? Can you feel your sit bones in the chair? Can you feel your hands against the thermal cup <laughs> you got? That's connecting to the body in, in the moment because we're not in the head. So any grounding ways like... Yeah, of feeling your body and feeling how your body responds to others even. So notice how my body responds to somebody I haven't met before. Is it a bit guarded, contracted, and does it change if I, somebody I meet a familiar face. So just notice these, subtleties. these, and that can take t- skill and practice. Um, but to live an embodied life, it's a good way to, to move and navigate the world.
0: Thank you very much. And last two questions that I ask every single oh, one of my You guests. sent these through. right? Oh, yes, lunch. I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> Garth. Right. What is your diet like? What is your yeah. favourite vegetable?
1: My favourite vegetable? At the minute, I love a chilli. Is that a vegetable? Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say so. Ch- I, I, I totally, totally that. allow that
0: as a vegetable. Yeah, so
1: I stick that in omelettes. Anything I cook, like... Let's uh, go back my dad, it's good but I respect having a moderation I have a bit of chocolate uh, blah, 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 but I'm usually on the go a lot like I, I'm here in the house now or I'm up at the clinic or I'm Belfast or I'm travelling so I like things quite efficient so anything longer than 20 minutes in the kitchen is not my ideal I go around to my parents for that or my friends they would cook a good so I like a lot of stir fries pastas not a lot of past. I'm trying to reduce the carbohydrates because they're not moving as much. Um, I explored the idea of vegetarian, vegan. So, I had, for example, this morning I had a smoothie. I had juice. I had spinach, avocado, green. Would you I, put chili in your smoothie? No. i never <laughs> done that. That's an idea. <laughs> and some blueberries and ginger. Um, and then I sip. So, it's... Good, but I don't consume it a lot. It's very grazing quality to it. But since I've actually seen the podcast, you know, I've got three raised flower beds in the back gardener, but I haven't utilised yet. That's the idea of growing my own. and But that creates needs time and space. And to be more at home, which I'm trying to do to, yeah, grow, cook my own food, really. But I'm very efficient in terms of how I eat.
0: So if you were to cook, and if you have time, do you have any favorite recipe with chilies that you could offer to our listeners? Ah. Preferably plant-based. I know. It's, it's, are you totally vegan? I'm not, but I really do believe in the healing power yeah, totally. of plant-based. Hmm. Whenever your body needs the time to yeah. heal Can and restore, store. and and whether you know you don't you don't necessarily need to be. Vegan, but I think eating primarily plants,
1: um, yeah. I, I, I do believe in that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And knowing we we're talking about the gut microbiome and yeah. how that information comes to the brain, though I haven't explored it for a couple of years vegetarian, vegan, I've explored it, but sometimes I like a bit of meat, but not much. Fish, I like fish. Um, so, like, Example of a dish that I would do is stir fry. I have any vegetables I have really, obviously chilies are in it. I would put peppers, mushrooms, aubergine, um, some kidney beans sometimes, some other different things are just stir fry, really ad hoc, just fired in, and then sometimes I put some rice noodles in, and that's it, and some chili sauce which I love too. And it's just all done in the wok, like, so it takes 15, 20 minutes. Do you use oil
0: for your stir right?
1: fry, And if so, what type of oil are you using? A housemate, he uses virgin oil. Like I don't use it. Sometimes, no, I don't use it. He uses that stuff there. But coconut, I've used before, but I don't seem to put it in because the moisture comes from the food, I feel. So I haven't used it in recent times. What do you recommend?
0: I actually, we have a really good uh, non-toxic watch <laughs> that I invested in and, and bought it for my partner years ago for Christmas, so we're using that and you don't need to put oil in that, so okay. we don't oh. need to so you can actually either just, if, if he's doing stir-fry just lemon juice or veggie oh, yeah. stock, because mm-hmm. I make my own veggie stock or or whatever, but yeah. if I do see I, don't really, see, I don't really fry I yeah. tend to put a lot of Cold pressed extra virgin olive oil or right. MCT oil or hemp oil or something once it's done. Yeah.
1: It's
0: just um, um, I eat a lot of fat, so I would whack like maybe 20, 30 mils of oil onto oh that once it's
1: See So, <laughs> yeah, nutrition is obviously your thing then. Yeah. That's your way into coming home to yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, it's something I really want to explore. And it's a bit when you sort of oh no, I have to create some idea of here what I use or what I do. But, yeah.
0: Stir fry is good, actually, and I, I mm. like that because it's kind of... I think it's a very efficient way of um, using sort of leftovers. Yeah, that's and, and just, it's it's a great way to avoid food waste, yeah. for
1: me. Huck, yeah, so that's, I wouldn't... Anything's going on, I just fire it in. I like the happy pear, you know, them. Yeah, so I've, I haven't got the book, but I love the recipes people have cooked them before, or the idea. But so It's somewhere where I'd like to go, but I'm not fully there yeah, and that's okay for me like I'm not forcing or beating myself up that I'm not eating as nutritiously as I like you? And you live a healthy lifestyle as
0: long as you feel good
1: yeah and that's it
0: it's been an absolute pleasure Gareth and mm. thank you very much for um, sharing yeah. your knowledge mm-hmm. and uh, maybe we can do this again
1: sometime yeah I'd like to thank, thank you, you. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks if you'd like to experience or know more about TRE or craniosacral therapy and you're living near Newcastle, Down, you can book a session with Gareth through his Facebook page or contact him with any queries you may have. The handle is at Gareth J. Toner. If you're living elsewhere in the world, you should be able to find a reputable TRE provider in your area. As for Garth's quick veggies stir fry with chilies recipe, you can find it on our social media along with all our other recipes shared to date. Our Insta handle is at the sweet underscore on a farm. Or find our public group The Sweet Spud on a Farm on Facebook and the recipes are in the file section. If you like this podcast, uh, please check out our other episodes and leave us a comment on South or social media. And if you have an iTunes account, please spare a few seconds and rate the podcast. Those reviews and stars are incredibly important for any content maker. And it really does help us reach wider audience and helps us continue making this free content. Before I let you go today, I also want to remind you of a great permaculture event that is happening at Azora Co-op in Hillsborough, Northern Ireland in May 2020. On Saturday the 16th and Sunday the 17th of May, you will have the opportunity to learn about no-dig organic gardening with the no-dig expert Charles Dowding. The tickets are already on sale, so make sure to book yours because places are limited and because it's only four weeks till Christmas, this would make a fantastic present for somebody who would like to learn more about Nodig gardening. There is an option of camping at the site for the whole weekend, so if you're coming from afar, you can contact Varn Marshall at Azora Co-op for more details and to secure your camping space. The best way to get in touch is via Facebook, the handle is at Azora Co-op, or call on The international code is 0044 if you're calling from abroad. And that's it for this time. Have a lovely week. Try to reconnect with yourself and stay present within your own body and stay healthy. Until next time. Bye every week your host is myself Susanna from the sweet spot music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan thank you for listening